Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America Podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody Award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of The Great America Show, dedicated, as always, to truth, justice, and the American way. Thanks for being with us, sharing part of your day with us, and supporting the success of this podcast. We thank you so much for your support, for your commitment to this great country of ours. Our country, as you know, is in desperate need of loyal citizens committed to our national values, our way of life, our constitution, because as a nation, we've rarely been this divided. And the divide in America is very real, it is profound, and it is deepening in large measure, thanks to President Joe Biden. President Biden bears much of the responsibility, insisting as he does on open borders, flying illegal immigrants from the borders to towns and cities all across the country in the dead of night. Biden is flaunting our laws and the Constitution. While sending our troops to Eastern Europe, he ignores the Mexican drug cartels that get ever richer, more powerful, with Biden's assistance in keeping the border wide open, and the deadly drugs, sex trafficking, and human smuggling that rages over that border. Mexico itself is now even more lawless and violent, but so is our southern border. Border states and big Democrat-run cities are caught in a nationwide rising violent crime wave. Gang violence and murders out of control. Corruption of every kind has captured our border and American cities alike. America is racked by spikes in violent crime left-wing efforts to defund police and law enforcement everywhere, vicious and lethal attacks against our police that are organized and orchestrated. There are simply too many murders of those law enforcement officers for me to believe that they're not being targeted. Concurrently, left-wing prosecutors are refusing to do their jobs to bring the killers to justice. Many of them supported those DAs that will not will not prosecute the criminals uh, who break our laws daily. Many of them are supported by George Soros and his open society, neo-Marxist. But those left-wing prosecutors are now found all over the country. One of the most liberal district attorneys supported by Soros, of course, is George Gascon in Los Angeles County. Gascon is a devout left-wing prosecutor who is indistinguishable from any neo-Marxist whose rhetoric is that of social justice warriors and any left-wing activist. But when off-duty Los Angeles police officer Fernando Arroyo was shot and killed by gang members, the prosecutor's office declined to file maximum charges against them. Los Angeles County Sheriff Alex Villanueva decided to go around Gascon's office and bring in the U.S. attorney in order to prosecute to the maximum, 
those accused of his murder. That's highly unusual. It's a rare move, in fact. But that's the situation in Los Angeles with Gascon as district attorney. Joining us now is the man who made that decision to go around Gascon. He is the sheriff of Los Angeles County, the largest, by the way, sheriff's office in the country. Joining us now, Sheriff Alex Villanueva here on The Great America Show. Sheriff Villanueva, thank you very much for being with us. Welcome to The Great America Show. Uh, it's an honor to talk with you, and I know that this is a difficult uh, a, a day, uh, but we do appreciate it. No, uh, my pleasure to be here, Lou. And uh, yeah, we just uh, finished uh, the uh, the funeral services for LAPD officer Fernando Arroyos. Friday was the officer uh, the services for uh, NYPD officer Jason Rivera, and uh, the list goes on and on. It's uh, and it is a shame because uh, it, we're experiencing it all over the country. And to that end, I've got to ask you, Sheriff, I, as I said uh, at the outset of my introduction to you, I there are so many of these murders. I have to believe that a number of them are targeted, uh, that there is an orchestration, uh, a war on law enforcement in this country. Your thoughts? Well, I think the politicians, uh, their, their rhetoric, rising the temperature since uh, 2020, the chickens have come home to roost. Now there's people on the extremes that are uh, believing in that ideology that uh, cops are the root of all evil and an existential threat. So they're, all they're doing is raising the conflict potential in any encounter between law enforcement and, for example, a bad guy doing bad things and needs to be arrested. Yeah, and we just had uh, two officers uh, shot and killed in New York. Uh, the county, uh, the the district attorney's office is uh, another Soros-backed uh, prosecutor. Uh, it, it's it's very difficult to understand what is going on when we when prosecutors and I know uh, George Gascon, the district attorney in Los Angeles, you've sidestepped him. But to see what these prosecutors are doing, how much of that uh, leniency that uh, it seems like maximum tolerance uh, is, in your judgment, uh, responsible for this crime wave? Well, it it uh, it bears a brunt. It's one of the elements that is definitely contributing towards this, this wave of violence. Look at the lack of prosecutions for crimes involving guns. Well, now all the crooks have guns because they know there's no consequence if they're caught with a gun. Difference between a strong armed robbery and an armed robbery, for example. So there are definitely very bad consequences for failure to hold bad guys accountable for the crimes they commit. And while the prosecutors are also uh, moving toward lesser uh, crimes, pleading, uh, pleading deals, refusing to bring, as in the case of the, the murder of Los Angeles police officer Arroyo, uh, the, the L.A. district attorney doesn't want to bring maximum charges against him, uh, against those uh, members of a gang who killed him just wantonly. It, it, it just it boggles my mind to think that such a person would be in office. Well, they've... Uh... They've bought into this whole theory that it's uh, systemic racism that has filled up our prisons 
and they're going to combat mass incarceration by freeing, emptying out the, the prisons and the jails as a way to prove that they're anti-racist. In the actuality, what they're doing is they're condemning black and brown communities to ever higher levels of violence because these people are back out on the street as quickly as possible, facing the minimum consequences possible, and that is not going to end well for the very same people they claim that they're trying to protect. And in Los Angeles County, uh, you have another element. You're one of the jurisdictions, your office uh, in Los Angeles County, you've, you've, your funding has been cut. The sheriff's office has actually been defunded. Uh, how do you even function? I mean, Los Angeles, anybody who's been to Los Angeles knows what a vast area that is. You have the largest sheriff's office in, in the country, but that is also one of the, most, uh, one of the largest uh, areas to police. It's getting more challenging every single day. We lost, I started with a $101 million deficit. Then they defunded $145 million one year. The next year, they took out another $116 million. Then they removed 1,281 budgeted positions. All of this, while homicides grew 94% over the last two years. So we're facing the most understaffed agency in the entire nation, yet they've frozen my ability to hire as they're defunding me. So we're actually shrinking while crime is growing. It makes no sense whatsoever. And, and unfortunately, there are other uh, police departments and sheriff's offices that have gone through the same thing. But many of them have been more adaptable, uh, uh, have come to their senses and have refunded those departments initially. Yours is the largest defunding I'm aware of uh, that uh, hasn't been restored. Is, is that correct? That is a 100% correct. Every single city that uh, kind of uh, played with the idea of defunding and went ahead and defunded New York City, uh, Minneapolis, uh, Rochester, New York, Rochester, Minnesota, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, City of Los Angeles, Austin, Texas, they all, in Oakland PD, they all defunded and then they regretted it, refunded. Our Board of Supervisors in LA County, they've actually doubled down on stupid and they're insisting on continuing the defunding effort. So you are, a, I have to say, a, a man of immense patience uh, and courage, obviously. But what they're asking your department to do, uh, your deputies on the street, uh, I, I don't understand why there wouldn't be consequences, why they, the Board of Supervisors could be that ignorant and not be recalled or, or, or petitioned out? Well, the, the only silver lining we have is that all of the supervisor districts got redrawn by an independent uh, commission of citizens. So now they're all going to face the wrath of constituents that did not used to be their constituents. So now the politicians don't get to pick their voters. So... We'll see how it pans out here in June and November of this, this election year. And hopefully we're going to get a moderate board that actually will listen to the community. And the community itself, they want more cops everywhere we go. We need more to see more deputies, not less. Uh, do those communities understand what their board of supervisors is doing to them? 
I mean, they're really consigning oh, some of their fellow citizens to death uh, at the hands of gangs and, and, and street thugs. It's uh, to me, it's uh, it's incomprehensible that a community wouldn't understand the consequences of such a uh, ignorant move on the part of a, a governmental body, whether it's the L.A. County Board of Supervisors or uh, a city council anywhere. I have one supervisor, Holly Mitchell. She has vowed not to allow one more nickel to go to the sheriff's department and her district district two has the highest homicide rate and grand theft auto rate in the entire county highest rate of homelessness every single uh demographic that's bad she has it and she firmly believes that we're a threat to minority communities not an actual a source of of protection so that we're living a very strange time right now. Yeah, well, certainly, uh, certainly we do. I, I would like to get some. I know that you have got a great reputation for being engaged with the community. What can be done when you have, uh, I, frankly, such institu institutionalized, it sounds to me, ignorance on your board of supervisors and a community that desperately needs to understand what's being done to them? by the people they're electing. I think ultimately, uh, I've done 84, 85 actually town halls since I took office in, in uh, December of 2018. So I've, I've crisscrossed the entire county. I've talked to tens of thousands of residents in person via Zoom. And I have the supervisor, they're hiding behind their, their offices, behind plexiglass in Zoom. They don't do public meetings. They do nothing with the public. They don't take answers or questions from the public, not even from the media. Unless it's very carefully scripted by the media, they will not address a question. And I'm doing the exact opposite of everything they're doing because I need to be held accountable and accessible to the public. And if these supervisors are not going to be that way, well, they need to be removed from office. And I'm going to ensure that the voters do exactly that. Well, good for you. And I'm I'm looking at some of your press uh, that you're getting. Uh, you're up for election this year. I'm looking at people who are writing things suggesting that you have moved to the right while L.A. County has moved to the left. And there uh, seem to, you know, they're, they're obviously these writers of these articles are uh, coming after you, but they're scratching their heads uh, figuratively. Uh, saying, well, you know, the Sheriff Villanueva, we just don't understand what he's doing. Uh, do any of these people understand that the country, young people indeed, are moving more and more to the center and to the right in this country? Oh, definitely. They, they live in a woke little bubble that they've created between the politicians and these writers. Every single person the people that I speak to on the, on the street, especially regarding homelessness, they do not care what party you belong to, what ideology. They're concerned about the homeless man defecating on their front lawn. That is going to totally rearrange their thought process about what local politics is all about. So if the Board of Supervisors wants to make that the new normal that they have to accept, well, they'll be... They'll go from ultra-liberal to ultra-conservative in the blink of an eye. I understand that, but the board is married to an ideology that is way, has gone way past its prime. 
I've never changed who I am. I've always advertised that I'm a Democrat of the JFK and the FDR tradition, or a moderate, and that's where most of the community lies, center-right, center-left, but I can talk to Republicans. I can talk to Democrats. That is where the community lies. They want to see results. They want to hold politicians accountable. Get the job done. Well, I, I think that you've got it exactly right, and I think that anyone uh, in any community, irrespective of his or her party, would want the sheriff to be at the center of politics in both his thinking and his actions. Uh, these woke prosecutors, uh, and you've got one of the biggest in the country. Uh, is there any way to, I, I know that there's a petition out. Is, is he going to be recalled or is he going to continue to, to insult everyone in uniform, everyone who puts his and her life on the line uh, to protect the community? He is going to get recalled. The first effort wasn't very well organized or funded, but I think they all learned their lessons now. Now they have the funding first organization. They just pulled uh, the petition, so it's now in circulation. They have 160 days. They got to reach 800,000 to have a safe buffer, and they will get the signatures because, I mean, every decision he's made for our department alone. His first year in office, 2021, he declined 12,074 cases. 12,074 cases that he declined, that we had the bad guy caught, evidence, everything, victim, and he said no prosecution. So the bad guy walked away. And the public is not putting up with that at all. And that is across the ideological spectrum. They want to sell it like, oh, these are disgruntled Trump supporters. No going to be majority Democrats that are going to vote Gascon out of office. Well, the Democratic Party, uh, as you noted, is not is no longer the uh, Democratic Party of JFK. Uh, for that matter, the Republican Party isn't the party of Eisenhower either. I think I should uh, make it very clear. Uh, Extremes yeah. are not helping us. No, they're not. And uh, the extremes that have been embedded it seems in our cities and our communities uh, are, for example, Antifa, BLM, and their, uh, their attacks on law enforcement in 2020 uh, under any number of pretenses and pretexts. Uh, I, I think really were the root of much of this uh, hostility toward police uh, and, the, and the actual orchestration of violence against police. What, what do you think? Well, I think they, uh, they, uh, they pretty much uh, exploited the murder of George Floyd for their own financial gain. And all that money they raised, over $90 million, lined the pockets of just a few individuals. Some of them went out to buy mansions. And uh, the fact is they tried to sell the idea that systemic racism is rampant and all across the entire profession. And it is a false narrative. Yeah. It's, Unlawful uses of force that results in the death of a, of a black man is an extremely rare event. It's like a strike of lightning. That's how rare it is. But a cop dies approximately every single week. A cop dies at the hands of a, of a felon during the commission of a felony. That is something that is far more common. Yet Black Lives Matter tried to sell the idea that cops were an existential threat to young black men, not other young black men. And 
and part of the blame has to be laid uh, at the feet of the popular media, if you can call it that. It's not so popular anymore. But you're the Los Angeles Times, your television news groups. How much of the problem do they represent? Are they accurately reporting what's going on? Or are they just following in line as they do nationally uh, with the ideological narrative, uh, the consensus narrative of corporate media? Oh, they definitely are following along with that corporate media because they talk about systemic racism and mass incarceration. Yet they can't acknowledge for oh, and, they, and their favorite word is disproportional. Everything that we do is disproportionately affects young people of color. But when young people of color are disproportionately committing violent crime, that part they don't really want to talk about. It's right. just the fact that, yeah, the bad guy somehow is harmed by being incarcerated. No, they're, they got there by their own actions, not some... Uh, uh, out, outcome out of a systemic racist uh, planner, something like that. And that is that false narrative that the L.A. Times in particular keeps perpetuating in every single article they push out there, and they have no evidence to support it. It's, it's in Chicago. Black-on-black black crime is just utterly ignored, and other major cities. When, As you well know, that is the preponderance of crime in black communities across the country. Uh, but again, They're the victims. Yeah. And you would think just as the school closings disproportionately, to use that, uh, that word, disproportionately affects the minority uh, students who are deprived of a, an opportunity to be in public school because the, t- the teachers unions wants them closed for their own reasons. Meanwhile, the greatest equalizer in our society, our public school system, isn't working for those who need them need the most. It's outrageous. That, that is very true. And then you hear complaints about school discipline and who is suspended and is disproportionate. Well, you tell me if someone assaults a teacher and should get, uh, you know, kicked out of school or suspended, as long as they're doing the same thing, be it white, black, Latino, Asian. There's nothing you can't be complaining about the disproportionality It's as long as they're all being treated the same is what counts. And that's the part they don't want to answer that question because the answers doesn't satisfy the narrative. Sure. How do we how do we turn this around? Uh, you're having to eat all of these budget cuts. You're losing uh, officers uh, on the street. Uh, the community is losing protection. Uh, it, it is a mad, uh, an absolutely mad uh, piece of architecture. It doesn't make sense intellectually, logically, empirically. There is no evidence to say anything but the inverse, that the community suffers mightily. What, what can be done? Well, there's, there's a glimmer of hope. And when we cleared out the Venice boardwalk, the homeless encampments, I got Democrats to start talking to Republicans and start looking at each other as neighbors. And uh, we realizing that, you know what, whoever they vote to send to Washington or to Sacramento to yell at each other doesn't really matter as much as who is their city council, their mayor, their sheriff, supervisor, DA, their local elected officials are going to make or break their community. So they got to start paying attention and start working together on what they share the common interest. 
public safety knows no party. And I think when we start working together like that, people realize, wow, we can actually make a difference locally. Homelessness is a prime example. Absolutely. Well, uh, we all should want the same things. Uh, that is safety, uh, protections, our family safe, our neighbors safe, our communities safe. And I, for, for one, just cannot comprehend uh, how this narrative that was ginned up in 2020 primarily uh, took on such a strong, uh, uh, prominent place in the narrative of the left in this country. But uh, it's got to be fixed uh, for the good of the country, and it's got to be fixed uh, very, very soon. Sheriff, I, I can't tell you how much I admire what you're doing there. I, I appreciate it. I know your community does, even though probably they don't express it. Uh, you know, that's the problem uh, across this country. We don't, we don't say thanks to our law enforcement nearly as much as we should. Uh, but I want to say thank you, uh, and uh, uh, I give you the last word, as is our custom here. But, uh, Sheriff, just want to say thanks for your time, uh, all that you do for the community, and all that your department does uh, for Los Angeles County. Well, I want to thank you, Lou, for the opportunity to speak to your audience and uh, just let them know that help is on the way. We're going to get the left and the right to talk. And by doing so, we're going to bridge that gap of mistrust and ignorance and get people educated, hold our elected officials accountable. And we have the solutions. We just got to generate that political will. Sheriff, we appreciate it. Sheriff Villanueva, thanks so much for being with us. And, uh, and I want to just say God bless you. And I, I look forward to our next conversation. All the best of luck. All right. You got it, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And today we have with us a great American, a patriot. He's smart. He's got a great sense of humor. With us straight uh, from uh, Los Angeles, uh, the Salem Radio Broadcasting Network's host of the Larry Elder Show. Great American, great broadcaster, great guy and friend. Larry Elder, welcome. How are you on this beautiful day in America? Lou, I am excellent. Thank you very much. I appreciate your having me. Well, it's a delight to have you with us and to talk with you as uh, always. I want to I want to start with something kind of uh, different here. I've been watching Wall Street. There's nothing new about me watching Wall Street, but it's a tough day for Mark Zuckerberg and, of course, his investors. Uh, Meta stock, Facebook stock down 26 percent. And of course, Mark Zuckerberg, Larry, did the, the thing you would expect of great leaders he immediately took responsibility and blamed TikTok. You got to love that kind of leadership, Larry. Well, you know, young people are increasingly going to TikTok, so there may be something there. I would love to, to say that what's happening is a whole bunch of people are being becoming ticked off at Facebook. Uh, if you saw the uh, uh, Molly Hemingway book called Rigged, turns out Mark Zuckerberg spent over $400 million dollars uh, to, quote, get out the vote, close quote, to influence the election in favor of Democrats. Uh, and everybody knows that Facebook has been suppressing conservative content. So I'd love to say that perhaps there's a realization uh, on the part of a lot of uh, users that Facebook is not your friend, and maybe that's what's causing the decline, but I really just don't know. All I know is my, my young friends don't use Facebook. They use TikTok. They think Facebook uh, is for old people. And there's nothing worse than, than, uh, than your product being accused of, of being for old people. 
Well, uh, Facebook particularly, because he's got a lot of land in Hawaii to pay for uh, and to sustain over there. Uh, and, and I just hate to see him get hurt like that. He'll be down to his next 10 or uh, his last uh, 10 or $20 billion if he keeps this up. Uh, the, the idea that's scary to me. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's, it's just scary to me. It's scary to me, Lou, the, the power these social media platforms have. You know, when I ended my campaign for governor, I was a, a smidge just under a million followers on Twitter. And I've never been, I've never had a bigger footprint. I've never been more well-known than I am right now. And I've lost 30,000 followers uh, since September the 14th. And I lose about 100 every day on Twitter. And it isn't because uh, people don't know who I am. I'm clearly being shafted because of the stuff I, I post. You post anything at all skeptical about the 2020 election, yeah. anything at all skeptical about what CDC is doing regarding COVID-19, uh, and you're hurt on these platforms. And it's just absolutely scary, frightening how much power they have. It is indeed. And uh, and uh, I will tell you, not even running for office, uh, I've been uh, what was it, uh, shadow banned on yep. Facebook for a very long time, over two million people on Twitter. Uh, that stayed pretty much the same over the last couple of years. Uh, it's uh, it's as you say, it's pretty clear what's going on. And it's not so clear why there isn't something done about it. But uh, we'll see how things work out. Uh, the markets tend to always uh, be self-correcting in these things. Uh, and I think we're seeing an example of it today with Facebook stock off 26 percent. Uh, I want to turn to your, your, uh, your run for governor, your political aspirations. I know you just started a PAC as well. Uh, give us a sense of what your political uh, aspirations are now with your looking at the, you know, the rear view mirror uh, at your run for governor? Well, um, by any stretch of, of the imagination, we did extremely well in, in our run. We only got into the race, Lou, with eight weeks left. And oh, in eight weeks, we raised $22 million. That was more than all my Republican rivals combined, including a millionaire who self-funded. There are 58 counties in California. We carried 57 of them on the replacement side. The only one we didn't carry was San Francisco. And we didn't spend one dime or one minute campaigning there. Uh, we got 49% of the vote. That was that was more than all of the 45 rivals on the replacement side combined. Uh, Gavin Newsom had to outspend us 10 to 1. Uh, in came Barack Obama. In came Kamala Harris. Uh, in came uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi. Bernie Sanders cut a commercial for him. Elizabeth Warren cut a commercial for him. Biden came out and campaigned for him. And all they said, Lou, was stop the Republican takeover. Uh, Elder is a Trump Republican. Elder is a Trump wannabe. I think Joe Biden said I was more Trump than Trump, whatever the hell that means. And it worked in California. And so, I, you know, the temptation is to try it again. Uh, he's up for re-election in November. But I felt that I could probably win with a recall election because you could win conceivably with as little as 25% of the total votes cast. You can't do that in a mono, a mono, a mono race against Gavin Newsom in a landscape like California, where Republicans are up number three to one. So I'm not going to run against well, him. Larry's talk, but so anyway, a, I, I just want to explain what you're talking about there just for a moment. Uh, in the runoff, all that had to happen was Gavin Newsom be recalled. And immediately the front runner amongst all opponents would be the, the new governor, correct? That's right. It was a two-step deal. First, 50% one of the voters had to vote to recall Gavin Newsom. Then you go to the replacement side, and whoever gets the most votes to replace him would become the next governor. And I clearly got more votes than anybody else, as I mentioned, combined. 
So had 50% plus one voted to recall Gavin Newsom, I'd be talking to you from Sacramento, Lou, but that didn't happen. Uh, it didn't happen for all the reasons I mentioned. Big tech came out. They were scared to death. At the recall was losing by double digits until I got into the race, and then it went into the margin of error. And that's when uh, Gavin Newsom called out the dogs. And by that, I'm talking about big tech, Hollywood, the public sector unions, the teachers unions. Uh, Reed Hastings, this co-CEO of Netflix, gave him $3 million to defeat the recall. Uh, Snoop Dogg tweeted uh, to his 14 million followers on Twitter uh, that I'm a really bad person, that they ought not recall me. Uh, they ought not recall Gavin Newsom, even though Snoop Dogg uh, is big on education, big on urbanism, and one of the big issues in the campaign was my support for school choice. So uh, that's what they had to do in order to defeat me. So what I've done is set up a political action committee. It's called elderforamerica.com. I'm asking people to throw a little something in the tip jar because with my newfound uh, footprint, I'm able to travel around the country, campaign for Republicans in very important swing uh, races and swing districts. We're going to campaign to get rid of these soft on crime DAs. We're going to campaign for school choice. We're going to campaign to get rid of critical race theory. So those are the issues I'm going to be raising and campaigning for with elderforamerica.com. So you're going to be a helper, not a candidate. Funny you should say that, Lou. Uh, I have a FedEx driver who kept dropping off stuff during the campaign. And uh, when the race was over, he kept asking me, am I gonna run again? Am I gonna run again? Am I gonna run again? And I decided, as I mentioned, to start this pack. I just launched the pack about two or three weeks ago. I walk outside and the FedEx guy is there. And he goes, Larry, are you gonna run again? And I told him what I told you. I'm starting Elder for America, political action committee, help the Republicans take back yeah, the House yeah. the Senate, campaign for school choice. And he said, oh, you're gonna direct. That's that's a lot now, of that's doing. only somebody in Hollywood would say something like that. Yeah. Oh, exactly. you're gonna direct. Only somebody in California would say something like that. And, and me being a, a country boy, I just said you're gonna be a helper. I you know, I I, I don't know. I'm yeah, gonna have yeah. to get up to Hollywood standards. But let me ask you this. You go. Uh, with uh with the pack, with radio, you're gonna continue doing radio, of course. Uh what is what is it that you think is going on in the state, your state? When uh, we talked recently with uh, with the county sheriff, the Los Angeles County Sheriff Alex Villanueva, who has bypassed George Gascon, the district attorney there, the the uh, what would we call him, a Soros molded and supported district attorney. Uh, right. What are you going to do about that? Up at the new the San Francisco uh, Police Department head. The, the chief of police there is now bypassing that DA for the same damn reasons. What is it that well, California doesn't seem to understand about the importance of having law enforcement and prosecution of lawbreakers? Well, uh, there is an increasingly greater understanding of what George Soros has done uh, by putting his, uh, these two people uh, in San Francisco and in Los Angeles. You're finding now crime hitting the suburban areas. As you probably know, there was a UCLA grad student who was murdered, stabbed to death in Hancock Park for crying out loud. That is the trendy area, high-end area where Maxine Waters has her $5 million mansion. Uh, there was an 80-year-old 80, uh, 80 man whose wife was murdered in Beverly Hills. He's a music mogul. Uh, and it turns out the thug had a long record, should never have been out. We have these soft on crime DAs, a soft on crime governor, who's bragged about the fact that he's overseen the release of almost 18,000 convicted felons since he's been uh, governor. What could possibly go wrong? Many of these convicted felons were violent offenders. You have cashless bail. You have a Proposition 47 that allows 
criminals to steal $950, not a day, but per store. And if they get caught, the worst that'll happen is they get a ticket as a misdemeanor uh, and the course cast is bail, so they don't have to show up. So uh, what I'm saying is a greater number of people are recognizing what's going on. Crime is up in LA where I'm talking to you from, Lou, 40% year to year. And the disproportionately large number of the victims of these crime are the very black and brown people that people like Gavin Newsom and Nancy Pelosi uh, and these DAs brag that they're protecting. So there's a great, great, a greater understanding that these people have to go. There've been two recall efforts against both the DAs. One in LA has failed because they couldn't gather enough signatures, but there's another effort uh, that's being started. There's one also in the Bay Area that's being started. And I think if they get the signatures in time, they're gonna be a recall of both these bozos and hopefully they'll be recalled. But I'm telling you, crime is going up, not just in the inner city, uh, but in the suburbs. And once these rich white people that have been writing these checks for these left-wing politicians to get hurt, then maybe then uh, yeah. there'll be uh, a, a, an awakening and a reassessment. I hope so anyway. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying when you talk about the you know those uh, rich white people that are uh, helping those DAs out. But let's be real clear: the communities, uh, whether African American or Hispanic, and their organized left wing uh, initiatives, I'll call it that, uh, are not helping either. They're they're certainly helping those DAs and are very pleased with the results. Uh, this is a mess, and it's a mess that uh, are, is your PAC going to be supporting these petition efforts, these recall efforts? Oh, absolutely. That's one of the things I'm doing with it. We're going after these soft on crime DAs. We're going to be supporting people that actually believe bad guys should go to prison for the time uh, required, given the gravity of their sentences. Uh, that's what we're going to be doing with the uh, with, with the pack, all these kinds of issues. But this is absolutely outrageous. You know, come on, Lou. What's the number one responsibility of government to protect people and property? And it's not being done. Yeah. You know, government has turned on the people of this country, whether at the local level, the state, or the, or the federal. Uh, they do not feel that government is working for them. In fact, they figure government is working against them. They're, this January 6th committee is an example where Americans are being abused. They're taking political prisoners. Uh, it's a partisan, uh, a partisan initiative that's worthy of the Soviet era sh uh, show trials. It's disgusting. And we have to get by this and we have to uh, bring into balance the left-wing Marxist uh, energy in this country that is uh, overwhelming our our governments, uh, our our way of life. You know, Lou, the biggest neutron bomb that government has dropped on the society uh, is what they've done to the family. Uh, we talked about crime a moment ago. Yeah. Uh, much of this crime is being by people of color. Uh, and the government has incentivized women to marry the government and incentivized men with financial and moral responsibility to the point now where 75% of black kids enter the world without a father married to the mother. And forget about elder Lou, Barack Obama once said a kid raised without a father is five times more likely to be poor and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up uh, in prison. We've gone from having 25% of black kids born uh, into the world without a father married to the mother in 1965 uh, to, as I mentioned, almost 75% now. 25% of white kids are now uh, into the world without a father married to the mother. Half of Hispanic right. kids do, and 40% of all kids in America now enter the world without a father married to the mother, and it is a direct consequence of the welfare state. 
It's destroyed the family, caused crime to go up, caused a decline in the quality of public education, caused people to, when they do graduate from high school, they can't read, write, and compute at grade level. We don't have school choice. I could go on and on and on, but the number one sin is what they've done to the nuclear intact family. For crying out loud, you got movements like Black Lives Matter that attacks the nuclear family they had on their website, that the nuclear family was a Western civilization construct uh, and that they should uh, look to alternative ways of raising children. It's breathtakingly offensive uh, what that movement has done uh, and what the government has done in general to the family in America. But the good news is no one can find their leadership anymore. No one knows what uh, they're doing. Uh, and they took ownership of the uh, Communist Party headquarters mansion uh, in, in Canada. Isn't that great? In Canada. Right. And the co-founder of, uh, of, of Black Lives Matter is named Millers. She calls herself a trained Marxist. And of course, the, the uh, uh, founding principle of Marxists is that there ought not be any private property. She owns four pieces of property, including one at the Panga Canyon, uh, over $2 million. I think there's about 0.1% of the, of the people there are, are Black. So the Black Lives Matter founder has a mansion in an area where basically there are no Blacks. You can't make this up. Well, and you can tell that nothing matters to her but the uh, improvement of the quality of life and the standard of living of Black people, just as the name of the organization would imply. Uh, she, basically, we find out they've done nothing, absolutely nothing uh, for uh, their their community uh, and, and done everything to them by taking the money, buying up, as you say, mansions and uh, spending it. At, I mean, there's $60 million yeah. missing. And corporate America has been pouring money into that organization, which might just well set up many of these corporations for a class action lawsuit from their shareholders because fiduciary responsibility, they have not demonstrated. Uh, I want to turn, if I may, to the, the president's mental and physical health, which seems to be in decline. I want everybody listening to us, they have not seen the video of Jill Biden. Uh, I, I don't her Dr. Jill Biden because I reserve that and I always have, whether on the broadcast or in my personal life, I would not call anyone doctor unless they were a medical doctor. Uh, she is not a medical doctor and I won't be calling her Dr. Jill. I won't call her Jill, but I will call her Mrs. Biden. Uh, she leading the, the president of the United States as if he were a dog off a stage, down the steps and through the crowd as with her head bowed, plowing straight ahead uh, at a very slow rate. Plowing is a little strong for, the, for what she was doing. It's embarrassing. It was clear the president of the United States could not have left that stage without someone's assistance. Your thoughts? Well, and of course, uh, Joe Biden is not just a regular guy, he happens to be the leader of the free world uh, and the most powerful person on the planet. Uh, but Lou, let's not forget about Dr. J. I mean, he earned that title. Uh, but getting, getting back to, to Biden, remember Biden's job was to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to make sure that Donald Trump did not have a second. After that, the Democrats did not care, do not care. Uh, and uh, the, the plan is for at some point, him to turn over the reins to Kamala Harris, uh, as unpopular as she is. That was the entire game plan. They wanted to make sure that Bernie Sanders did not get the nomination because remember, he won the Nevada caucuses and for one shining moment, he was the front runner, a self-described socialist 
was the front runner and the Democrats knew he couldn't win. So Joe Biden, uh, they coalesced around him after James Clyburn endorsed him before the South Carolina primary. He was the amiable guy perceived to be a moderate, perceived to be somebody who would not send out nasty tweets like Donald Trump did and defeat Donald Trump. After that, mission accomplished. Everything, uh, as far as they're concerned, uh, is, is gravy. They intend to ter- turn it over to somebody else, and that somebody else is very likely going to be Kamala Harris, and, and the left is fine with that. Yeah, I, I, the left may be fine with it, but the rest of the country isn't. Uh, they're very disturbed about what this president is doing. The country is going in the wrong direction, say more than two thirds of Americans. Uh, right now, I don't believe, I, I don't know what the correct uh, process would be because she is reviled uh, and he is uh, loathed almost as much. And no one trusts either one of them to be capable of carrying out the functions of the, uh, of the commander in chief in this country. What do we do I, I now, Larry? I agree with your analysis, but I'm telling you, they painted themselves into a corner. The most loyal part of the Democratic base are Black females. And Black females love, love, love Kamala Harris. And if uh-huh. somehow, some way, uh, they try and get rid of her, the only way uh, they could pull that off is if uh, uh, she walked into the Oval Office and said, Joe, I want to be uh, the next Supreme Court Justice. Uh, and I want to go. That's the job I want. Because if she's perceived to have been kicked out of the out of the uh, uh, number two spot, uh, swept aside in some sort of way, uh, the wrath of black females would be something to behold. And again, that's the most loyal part of the Democratic base. I'm not saying they vote for Donald Trump if he ran in 2024. What they would do is stay home, and they would encourage other people to stay home. So they're trapped. They're stuck with her. Yeah, that's interesting, because if you do that demographically, take a look at our population. The African-American population in this country is just a little over 12 percent. The female proportion uh, of that would be about 6 percent of of the population then, uh, uh, black women, uh, females. uh, And and you think they have that much control and power over the Democratic Party? I'm not arguing with you, but I'm just highlighting how few people can have a, a position of strength within a caucus uh, and a cons, a constituent and coalition party like the, the radical Dems. It is really well, crazy. Keep, the left is in control keep, all the way with the Democratic Party. Keep, it, keep in mind, we just need a few swing states. Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Michigan, Detroit, uh, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, heavy, heavy black populations, heavy, heavy Democrats. Uh, and you take away that uh, and uh, and the Republicans uh, can win those swing uh, swing states. So the black vote is very important in, sw- in states like that. Georgia as well, Atlanta. Um, that's how uh, Joe Biden won by overperforming in, in, uh, in Milwaukee, overperforming in Philadelphia, overperforming in Atlanta. Uh, and overperforming in Detroit. Uh, and that's the black folk. You get rid of that, uh, and and the Democratic Party is in deep, deep voodoo. Well, <laughs> deep, deep doodoo. Uh, you know, that deep, I deep. Said I, said I, said, I said voodoo. Oh, voodoo. voodoo. V, v is in victory. V is in victory. Well, I'm glad you straightened that out because I, you know, yeah. I, kinda, I gotta <laughs> be honest victory. with you. I kind of like that deep, deep doodoo. <laughs> no, no, deep, deep voodoo. <laughs> But either way, voodoo or doo-doo, we know one thing, playing a very large part in what transpired in Wayne County in Michigan and uh, Fulton County in Georgia. 
playing a very large part were those drop boxes, which are illegal in many states, but suddenly took on great importance and currency and legitimacy of conferred by the secretaries of state in those in those uh, states uh, for those counties in particular, it was determinant. We all, right now you see the Democratic Party just about uh, they're apoplectic because state after state is now saying there will be no more drop boxes and absentee uh, ballots will not be shipped out by the millions to a few hundred thousand people. Uh, it won't happen again. So right. says the Republican Party. Now, I've heard of their their BS before, but that's what they're saying right now. What do you think? Well, you know, Lou, I, I want to break some news on your on your program. Last night, I saw a, a part of a film that Dinesh D'Souza is doing, uh, talking about all these drop boxes yep. and about these mules who went to drop boxes one after another, after another, after another. They've got videotape of people stuffing uh, things into these drop boxes. I can't uh, say a whole lot more about it. I've been sworn to secrecy, but there's a trailer uh, that you can see on YouTube. And I'm telling you, uh, it is jaw dropping the information that I've seen with my own baby brown African-American eyeballs. Uh, and it's and, and if one tenth of what I just saw uh, is accurate, uh, it's going to be an earthquake. Even right. people who are partisan are going to have to uh, look in the mirror and say, I cannot ignore all of this evidence. And, re- and remember about these drop boxes, let's take one state, Wisconsin. Uh, Donald Trump, of course, sued Wisconsin to have the election overturned. And that went all the way up to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And it went, and it was a 4-3 decision. And there was a dissent filed by the chief justice of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And she said what you said, these drop boxes are absolutely illegal. And recently, just a few days ago, a judge in Waukesha County ruled that going forward, these drop boxes are illegal. Uh, and so, uh, as I said, the evidence I saw with my own eyes was pretty, was pretty compelling. Uh, and it's going to shake this country up once that documentary comes out. Yes, and I, and I can't wait to see that. I understand you've even got a role in the uh, Dinesh D'Souza documentary. Uh, are you narrating that? Or I've, got a, you... I've, got a, I've got a cameo. All right, all right. <laughs> and, my, and, my, and, and, and speaking of films, my documentary, Uncle Tom won. Uh, I, we raised about a million dollars to do it, Lou, and it grossed almost $5 million. Uncle Tom 2 is coming out within the next couple of months. And it's going to be every bit, in my opinion, as uh, impactful as the first one was. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. And I also have a cameo role in that. I'm the executive producer of both the, of both documentaries, and I have a cameo role in both of them. Well, you you are a camera hog, I swear. <laughs> <You're> just... <laughs> I, I'm delighted you are. Can't wait to see the documentaries and your cameo role, which I suspect means you take about what? Uh, 20% of the time in that documentary? Or is, that, is that your idea of a cameo? No, not, not even that. If you saw the first one, I was barely in it. Uh, and, and no, these documentaries are not about me. They're about how how uh, uh, the Black community has, has no, no, the government for, for, uh, for family and for God. And that's what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. just kidding you, Larry. Come on. Uh, black right. Americans suing <laughs> New York City over their proposal to grant voting rights to illegal immigrants. That, I think, is one of the biggest deals here of late uh, for uh, 
African Americans to be suing New York City because the city is going to allow illegal immigrants to vote. Your reaction to what I think is a seminal moment in establishing the integrity uh, of the American electoral system. Well, I, think, I understand there's something like 800,000 people, and I don't think they're illegal aliens. I think they're non-citizens. I think they're here legally, but they are not citizens. Uh, but either way, uh, it's interesting because Black people are apparently victimized by the Republicans who supposedly are suppressing the vote. And now you're having Black people say, we're suing the city of, of New York because you're watering our, down our vote. Basically, you're suppressing our vote by, by allowing non-citizens to, uh, to vote. So it's really interesting. What I, what I find fascinating, Lou, is that why is it only Black Americans who are suing? Why isn't everybody suing? The whole thing is outrageous. Are you These kidding? people are here. Uh, White not, people don't have citizens. Why is it? White people have been uh, trying to uh, to get these uh, voting rights stripped from uh, jurisdictions that allow non-citizens or illegal immigrants or both uh, to vote uh, because they're called racist if they do. Uh, you, know, you, you, mean, you mean white, the white yeah, You mean white Democrats? No. You mean white Democrats? But, uh, I, mean, I mean white voodoo. <laughs> I mean white voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just surprised there isn't a greater outrage. I remember once even Hillary Clinton saying that non-citizens should not be allowed to vote. That was years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, at one time, the Democrats uh, sounded like Trump on immigration. It was Barack Obama and Nancy Pelosi uh, and Dianne Feinstein. Uh, I remember after the first attempt to bomb the, the World Trade Center, uh, uh, Harry, Harry Reid went off about uh, how easy it is to become a citizen, uh, that you can uh, have a child on American soil, you're a legal alien, and that child is a citizen. Democrats used to talk, sound like Trump before Trump sounded like Trump on immigration. And they did a 180 because they made the calculation that illegal aliens, current citizens, current voters would vote Democrat. Exactly. And we're voting Democrat. And by the way, Harry Reid caught holy hell for what he said and how he said it. Uh, and you haven't heard a Democrat uh, take up that tone or that uh, side of the argument since. You know, I, Larry, as always, it's great to have you with us and it's great to spend some time talking with you. I, I am delighted. Uh, you've got your uh, your hand in a lot of uh, in a lot of fires. Uh, two documentaries, uh, your pack, your radio show, and your terrific, just terrific commitment to uh, being a great American. We appreciate it. We thank you for your time. As always, our guests get the last word, and this is yours. Well, thank you. And Lou, I also have a book about my campaign uh, coming out pretty soon. But I want to say ah! this about you. I'm, I'm sorry, Larry. <laughs> if, if, I, I can't keep track of everything you're doing. Keep it up. Go for it. I'm well, you, know, I'm New, I, you know I'm a New York Times bestseller. Uh, I've had two books on the New York Times bestselling list. My first book was called The 10 Things You Can't Stay in America, which came out in 2000. But, but, but what I wanted to say real quickly is we were talking about illegal immigration. You were on the vanguard of bringing that issue to the forefront. Uh, it was considered to be almost a fringe, almost a racist thing to bring up when you were talking about this when you were on CNN. And you talked about it over and over and over again. You made the Republicans feel uncomfortable about it. But ultimately, you opened their eyes and people began to realize this was a very important issue. And I don't think but for you and the way you were just hammering and hammering, hammering away on this issue. I'm not sure it ever would have risen to the to the level of concern that it has right now. So you should take a bow for bringing this issue up, for having the courage to do it and running the 
risk of being called all sorts of nasty names as you were when you brought up the issue of illegal immigration and things like chain migration for crying out loud. No one was talking about that until you did. Right. Well, you're very kind to, uh, to say so, and I appreciate your, your kind words as always, Larry. I even appreciate your words when they're not kind, and I appreciate you taking time to be with us. You know, and I hope you'll come back soon. I wish you all the best, and, uh, and uh, thanks for being with us. I know you got a lot of pressure on your, on your schedule, and uh, we're thankful. So uh, have a great one. Anytime, Lou. Uh, thank you. And, and thank God you bless friend. you. God bless. Larry Alder, a great American a, and a terrific broadcaster and, and um, a man who you can always count on him to know what he's talking about. Uh, he, it's terrific. Can't wait to see all of this unfold. Uh, but two documentaries. Uh, he, he's got the, 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 the book. Uh, he's got, what else? The pack going. And, and oh, yeah, his day job. Uh, his, uh, the Larry Elder Show on the great Salem Radio Network. Folks, we appreciate you being with us. Uh, thank you for doing so. And we'll see you tomorrow. God bless. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.